Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Amen. Well, it is my joy to introduce our special speaker. She's not a guest, but she is special mm-hmm. tonight. Let me give you a little bit of her bio. She graduated from the University of Virginia. So yeah, she's she did. In your Let's chair, go. Point. And as I recall, she graduated with a degree in global development studies. Ooh. And so she was a GDS major for the shorthand of that. <laughs> and uh, she's been serving on our staff for a long time now, I, I think four years. And she has been a huge blessing to me, to our entire staff, and to our fellowship. And she has a word from the Lord out of the book of Revelation yes, for us tonight. So we guys give a great big warm welcome to Miss Jen Moss. Well, thank you, Pete, for that introduction. Pete took all of my notes of what I was going to tell you, so just remember that. That's true. Um, my name is Jen, and I have been on staff since I graduated in 2016, and he already told you all of that. Um, I am from outside of Richmond. I'll claim Richmond if you're not from Richmond. If you are from there, I'm from Hanover County, um, so a little bit more out in the sticks. Um, my mom and sister are still there, and I love getting to visit them when I can. Um, but in Charlottesville, you can find me hanging out with you guys. You can find me at a coffee shop um, or playing with my COVID kitten, Mosley. Um, so I think we have a picture of, um, that's Mosley. Okay, if you're looking at him and you're like, oh my gosh, he's so cute. You're looking at your roommate, you're like, we should totally get one. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, he's like really cute, but he's also really terrible. And just don't walk into PetSmart and buy the first one you see. Like, that's just my best advice for you. Um, But he's really, he's sweet. He's like a Sour Patch Kid. He's like sweet and sour. Okay, anyways. Um, So that is Mosley, and that's what you guys should know about me. Um, Like Pete said, we are continuing in Revelation tonight, and so we are going to be looking at Revelation 8. Um, But before we turn there, I want to take you guys back to 2018. I was in the back of a movie theater with my friends, if you recall, movie theaters. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this place that we sat on top of one another, people we hadn't seen ever um, breathing on top of one another. It's just a wild concept now. But we're sitting in the back row. It's me and three of my best friends. And we have gotten snacks because we're at the Alamo Theater in Charlottesville. And they like bring them right to your seat. Well, it's like, yes, I love the snacks at Alamo. And we're there to see a quiet place. So you know that we've already messed up because we got snacks. So we have popcorn, um, but you can't really eat that during A Quiet Place because the entire premise of the movie is that everyone has to be silent in this post-apocalyptic world or else these like monster creature terrifying things are going to come and get you. Um, And so we're like trying to eat popcorn in the back, but it's not really working. Um, And everyone is glued to the screen um, trying to see when noise will come. And so... um, the kind of one of the opening scenes, the family that is portrayed in the movie uh, treks to town and they are going to get what is left on the shelves of the grocery store and they're like showing their small children like what they can and can't get according to how much noise it makes. So like you can't get the bag of chips, it's too noisy. I mean, it's too noisy for me and there's no monster coming, but like it's too noisy, especially in this movie. Um, And then uh, they're trekking back, and so they're going as quietly as possible with their small children, and they're about to cross this bridge, 
and the small child has been left behind and he has this toy, this like battery operated thing and it begins to make noise. And so John Krasinski turns around and he starts sprinting at his small child just in time to see his child taken away by this monster creepy thing. Okay, so whether you've seen this movie or not, you're familiar with the idea that sounds and silence clue us into something new, right? Maybe you've been at JPJ before and you're waiting for the buzzer beater and you're trying to wait and see if the ball goes in and everybody goes silent because we all want to hear that swoosh together. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you do know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Adam. Okay, Um, or maybe you're at the theater and everybody's chatting beforehand and then the lights go down and you know that you have to be quiet because somebody's about to come on stage. That's where we are in Revelation tonight. It is loud. There are thousands and thousands of angels singing. Rigo told us last week that they are singing in all different languages. They're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Um, It says there are 10,000 times 10,000 angels speaking. If you guys will turn to me, turn with me to Revelation 8, 1. That's where we'll begin tonight. So we've got the angels, we've got creatures on earth and in heaven singing, we've got worshiping going on in all of these different languages, and we know because we've been walking through Revelation this semester um, that we have been opening seals. So there were seven seals, we've gone through six of them, and each time a seal is opened, there's praise, there's worship, and there's a prayer. And so we've gotten to the seventh seal. And says in Revelation 8.1, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. So we've gone from this picture of thousands of angels' voices, creatures singing worship, praise in the heavens, and then we know that there's 30 minutes of silence. 30 minutes. This is way longer than when your TA asks a question over Zoom and like nobody's answering. It is so much longer than that. This is 30 minutes of silence. And what's important to remember is the churches that this book is written to were in persecution. So they've been asking God for things and the imagery that they're coming into all of this praise and worship is encouraging to them. I just want you to remember that's the context of where we are tonight. They are asking God to make all wrong things right. That's what the thing that we're stepping into, that's where they are. All right, so there's just total silence for half an hour, and we have to wonder, we're kind of like intrigued now. We're anticipating what's going to happen next, right? Like, did somebody on the field get injured? Is the show about to start? Like, what's happening in the heavens that there's 30 minutes of silence? So then we go to verse two and it says, and I saw the seven angels who were standing before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Okay, I've heard Revelation explains like this. Doesn't totally make sense to me and I'll tell you why, but I've heard that if you're organized and you have things in folders on your laptop, that you click on it and it might open to other folders Does that make sense? Okay, Christine's like, yeah, that's how it should work. I keep everything in my downloads folder, and I realize that's very controversial. I know. I know. It's very controversial, most controversial thing I'll say tonight. Um, But apparently, if you're organized, you keep things in folders. And so um, within the seventh seal, you open up that folder, and you see seven trumpets come out, okay? You're tracking. I don't know. I just piddle around. I like type in the search bar. I'm like, I think I'm looking for like this one word. Sometimes I can find it. Sometimes I can't. It works. It's kind of crashing my computer right now, but it kind of works. All right. Verse three. 
Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. So you've just been introduced to an angel. You've been introduced to a censer, an altar, incense. Um, Does anyone want to do a pop quiz and tell me what all of these things mean? No. Yeah, so (laughs) luckily the people that were in, that were listening to this, those churches that are listening to this letter, they do know what all of these things mean. They immediately know that this is imagery from the Old Testament. They know that the censer is holding the prayers. They know that the incense is being mixed with the prayers to purify the prayers. They know... Um, that we're now standing in a temple. That's what the, the new vision is. We're standing in a temple where God's spirit would have been held in the Old Testament. And now it's this image of a temple and this angel is acting as the priest. So they're like tracking, okay? And they're like, okay, um, we know that all of this is coming. And we also know that this means that God is listening because God is listening to the prayers of all of the people. So it says, with the prayers of all God's people, they were taken to the altar and the throne. So this doesn't just say that God was listening to the pastors at this point, right? He's not just listening to those that made Dean's List that semester, right? He's not just listening to those that have come to him faithfully at the same time every day, but he's listening to all God's people. So that means he's listening to me, he's listening to you, right? And so we see when his people pray, God responds. And that response looks like this. In verse four, it says, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. So we see these rising to God with the incense. There's smell involved here. There's sight involved here, but there's no sound because it's silent. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Okay, we've seen a lot. There's a lot more imagery happening here. And what you need to remember is this is not all linear. This is not all happening like one after the other after the other, but it's all kind of happening at the same time. Um, And this is the response that we see from God. We see that the prayers are poured down to earth. And then in response, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's an earthquake. And so one theologian calls this reverse thunder because the prayers are sent to earth, they hit the earth. And then in response, there's an earthquake. This response is huge. This response of God literally shakes the earth and it's because of his people's prayers. So when his people pray, God responds. We see this initial picture of warnings about soon coming judgment. They know that that's what's coming when we see all these different images. Um, And we see them as a direct response to the prayers of the saints. And the saints are asking for God to bring them through something. So in this book in particular, the churches, like I said, are in persecution. And so they are asking for God to bring them through that. They're like, God, please let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Make wrong things right, right? And it's explained, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says, prayer is not mystical escape. It is historical engagement. And I want to say that again. Prayer is not mystical escape. It is historical engagement. And so where the people of these churches probably felt pretty helpless 
They probably felt pretty powerless. They might have thought, like, God, are you actually listening to me? He says, yes, I am listening to you, and I'm going to do something about it. And so we get to engage with history with our prayers. They aren't just these things. It's not just an escapism, a way to get out of our world and try to engage with something else. It's a way to interact with our world. So when his people pray, God responds. And I think we've heard this phrase before said a little bit differently. Um, When the prayers go up, the response comes down. When the praises go up, the blessings come down. Thank you. I know that you guys know this. Chance has told us this for so long. When the praises go up, the blessings come down. I really think that's what he's talking about here. Like God is going to interact. That is actually what I want you guys to remember from tonight. Okay, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. And we see those blessings in the form of trumpets. So we've seen that seven trumpets have come out of the seventh seal. All of you organized people, it's come out of your next folder. You've got it all together. Christine, it came out of Christine's folders. Um, and I'm not going to read through all the trumpets bit by bit with you. That would take us through the next like, chapter and a half, but I am going to summarize them for you. So the angels are sounding off the trumpets. Um, and we start to see a fire. We start to see hail. We start to see blood, the water turn into blood. Um, and we are entering into these images that once again, these churches would have recognized from the Old Testament. And these images in particular are coming from the Exodus story. These images are coming from the plagues that happened in Exodus. They would have known this immediately. These images are very, very similar. And so we see um, all these different pictures, and we know that um, God is answering their prayers because he's coming with judgment, and that's what they've been asking for. He's coming, and he is delivering his kingdom. He's bringing his kingdom to earth, and he is making wrong things right, and that's what they've been asking for the whole time. So these blessings, even or these trumpets and these judgments, even though they are like violent images in some ways to us, even though whole parts of the earth are being destroyed, they're actually blessings to these people. And that's the same as it was in the story of Exodus, that the plagues were coming in order to free God's people, in order to turn people to repentance. And so we see um, that God wills for the prayers of his people to be part of what shapes history. The kingdom is coming to earth because of the prayers and God's redemptive plan. So we see that here, and we know that to be true of the Exodus story. And in these these images um, from the trumpets, we're seeing um, a shortage of trees and grass, which means a shortage of food supply for the animals, which means a shortage of food supply for the people. We see these great implications in... um, food alone. We also see that water has turned to blood, and that has great implications, right? For us, that has great implications for the people. And so we don't have to take all of these to their literal ending, but what we do know is that God has um, reign over it. He has authority over these things. These huge things, God has authority over it. And these people know that God has done that in the past, and so it's encouraging to them that it's happening again in the future, And so we can know, we can have confidence in what God will do in the future because of our history with God. 
we can look back on what he's done and whether it's in our lives personally or whether it's in the history of his people, we can know that he has been faithful in the past and he will be faithful in the future. And so I'm wondering where else has prayer shaped history that you guys can recall? Do you know of where prayer has shaped your history? Is it how you got to UVA? Has it shaped your family in any way? Um, Do you think that maybe your core group leaders were praying for you to get into this room, to get into your watch party, wherever you're watching from? I know that in 2012, I was still in the soccer field in Hanover County and my core group leaders got a call that they were gonna be first year core group leaders and they just started praying. They didn't know who they were praying for, but they prayed for me and I ended up in core group, right? And I bet that's the same for a lot of you guys. But I wanna turn back to the Exodus story and I wanna talk about that for a minute and how God entered into history in that moment. So we're gonna turn to Exodus 2. And right here, the Israelites are enslaved and they're asking God to have mercy on them. So for generations, they have been in this situation and they're asking for deliverance. And so we're briefly gonna look at Exodus 2, um, 23 and 24. It says, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. What went up? The praises, the cry, the prayers. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God heard the prayers of his people and he responded. He begins to send plagues of judgment to the earth to have the people move toward repentance. And just as this was an encouragement in Exodus, it's an encouragement again to the people of Revelation. It can be an encouragement to you and I that that is what God has done in the past and it's what he'll do in the future. And I'm wondering right now if prayer could make sense to us more than ever before because it is not a shock to anyone's system right now as I'm staring at you guys sitting so far apart away from each other knowing that most of you are watching through this camera. I don't think it's a shock to any of us right now that we live in a broken world that there are things that are not whole, right? There are things, um, there's pain, there's hurt, there is suffering. Um, And so how do we enter into that? We've got these like massive things going on. We've got pandemic going on. We've got systemic racism happening. We have um, an election season that is causing stress. And we can't like totally fix any of those things, right? Like we ourselves cannot fix those things. And so how do we enter into these? And I know that you guys have personal needs as well. I wonder what finances look like for you right now, what mental health looks like for you right now, what it looks like in your family. And so as we're grappling with both the large and the small right now, I think that we have this sense that God has to do something about it, that we have to lean on God because we can't do it in our own, right? And so I want to ask you guys to pray. I want to ask you guys to engage with history right now, just as the Israelites engaged with history, just as people throughout time have engaged with history through prayer. I want to ask our fellowship to pray. And this is the idea that I have. So you guys can like nod if you're going along with me. But my idea is that we would pray for 12 minutes a day, 12 minutes a day, five days a week. That would be an hour each week until Thanksgiving, which is seven hours. There's a lot of seven, so I just thought, let's do it till Thanksgiving, right? That's when your semester ends. 
And I think that as we pray, as we engage in prayer, that we're going to see God respond. I think that as we see God respond and we can share that with the people around us, that we will be encouraged to continue to pray. And I want to say this, we do not always see the answers that we're looking for. Response does not mean that we get exactly what we ask for. And there are things that we will not see come to fruition on this side of eternity, things that we won't see come to fruition until the day of judgment. Um, But it is worth it to pray. It is worth it to engage with God. It is worth it um, just as the people from Genesis to Revelation have engaged with God, we get to engage with God. God's work in history offers us a confidence for his work in the future. So can you guys do that with me? Can we pray for 12 minutes a day? I think that could look like setting an alarm for like 10.38 p.m. and then 10.50 p.m. and you just pray in between them. Or it could look like a quick walk in between classes. You guys get a little, get a few steps in in between the Zooming. Um, There aren't prerequisites to prayer. You just have to acknowledge that we are pretty powerless and God is pretty powerful and we get to engage with him. And so if you've never talked to him before, you can introduce yourself. He's like the best friend of the best friend who already knows everything about you, but you can still introduce yourself. Um, If you haven't talked to him in a while, that's okay. You can enter back in. God listens to the prayers of all his people. Um. In that prayer time, you can praise God for what you know that he's done. You can ask questions. You can confess. You just get to talk. And we get to encourage one another. So I want to ask that we would be a praying people and that we would be in that together. I want to take you guys back to the most difficult season of my life and the way that I saw prayer play out in that. Um, This is about the way that I saw prayer carry my family Um, my dad's cancer was back. Uh, My mom had taken my sister and I out to dinner um, and she told us that my dad, by the doctor's best estimation, probably had about six months to live. And so over the next year, um, we we walked with my dad through his death. Um, I went home as often as I could. I was with them as often as I could be. Um, But we were we were so finite, like we could not provide the answers that we needed. We couldn't take care of ourselves. If you've been through grief, you know it is all encompassing. Um, It is like a fog that is with you no matter where you go. Um, And I wish that I could say that my prayer like just led me through that, but it was the prayers of my community. It was the prayers of the staff around me. It was the prayers of my friends. It was the prayers of my family. It was people sending me parts of scripture as they were praying for me that I got to cling to during that time as I was so closely acquainted with death with my dad. I got to cling to the promises of God and hold those two in tension. And the Lord instilled in me in that time a confidence to know that he was listening and that he was not separate from this situation. So the people in Israel knew that God was not separate from their situation, no matter how horrendous it was. Um, The people in Revelation knew that God was not actually separate from their persecution. And through my suffering, it was not easy and it was not overnight, but I came to know that God was not separate from it. I didn't see the thing that I was asking for. I didn't see my dad be healed. My dad passed last summer. 
but I did see my mom, sister, and I be brought through that time. I saw provision in ways that I would love to boast about for a really long time. I had a roommate who made me three meals a day for an entire month while she was in the middle of law school. I had a roommate make me 90 meals. It's not like she made me one meal and like kept moving. A girl cooked for me for a month. I had friends do my laundry. I had friends show up at the hospital. I had friends come to my home. Friends prayed with me. Friends cried with me. We had our community there, and they helped us get through that time. And I know that it's because of the prayers. It was the prayers of friends. It was because of the prayers of our community. And during that time, I was particularly wrestling with the reality that I could not get through it myself, that I could not do all of these things on my own, um, and just how broken the world is, how much the world hurts. And I think it was in that there was such contrast of the pain that existed and the hope that I knew existed in the future. And so I think in the darkest situations, it seems like God points us to that eternal hope, right? Because he says, yes, this is awful, but look what's coming. And so I wonder what that looks like for you right now. I wonder what you are sitting with. I wonder what you're desiring for. I wonder if you're, one, if you're desiring to be at peace with your body. I wonder if you are desiring um, to see your mental health be made whole. I wonder if you are longing for justice. I wonder if you are longing to see restoration in your family. I'm curious what that thing is for you that you want God to fill the gap. And we get to lean into that. We get to pray for those things. Even when they seem impossible, we get to lean into that and pray with the Lord because we see what he's done for his people throughout all time. And that gives us confidence for what he'll continue to do, to continue to bring his people through things. So God responds to his people's prayers. We're about to sing a song called Surrounded. Some of you guys are familiar with this song. And I want you to consider that God hears the prayers of his people and he acts. And I want you to consider um, what you can be praying for right now and what you can be be desiring from the Lord and believing and being expectant that you can engage in history in that way. Thank you guys. Well, thank you guys for worshiping with us tonight. I would love to close with the pastoral blessing. Um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Have a great week, Chi Alpha. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.